1: Hi, welcome to Lane's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, how to create better health, business, and self. And today, we are sharing with you a podcast all about mom makers. This is the first of our series, and we are so excited to share some incredible women who just make their passion known in and through their business. And... Dana Short and Jacqueline Diaz. Dana Short is an award winning entrepreneur who is a mother of two and the owner of Dana Short Gourmet and Gifts in Waterloo, Ontario. Her shop is like a boutique style gourmet, food store specializing in handcrafted prepared meals. She even has like an olive oil and balsamic vinegar tasting bar, gift baskets of quality chocolates from local suppliers. And she opened her first store, her current store in 2004 because she wanted to create delicious and unique dishes for people to enjoy that they couldn't get anywhere else using quality local ingredients. And Jacqueline Diath is my other guest and she loves taking on a good DIY project, working with power tools and just getting right into creating awesome, awesome um, products. As a mom of two girls and a recreational therapist, she realized the impact of Handmade, which fostered the start of her business, Homework Etc. in 2007. And she started designing a nursery and kids' room decor, which then morphed into focusing on DIY home decor kits to do it yourself. And Homework Etc. products have been featured on HGTV, Property Brothers, Women's Network, and Pregnancy and Newborn Magazine. Jacqueline has also been nominated for multiple awards over these past recent years. What I want to say about these two ladies is I am honored to call each of them my friend and I gush over them and what they do and their products. I've experienced both and I am just like totally in love with what they do and their products and I chose to invite these two ladies on because they have something unique that they share which is they both have a brick and mortar location so when I was thinking of creating the mom maker series I wanted to um, invite guests that would be of interest to you because you are a woman entrepreneur the majority of my listeners and if you're not a woman entrepreneur and and an entrepreneur in general, I wanted to capture um, guests who would share with you their wisdom, their journeys, that their their trials, their failures, their successes, so that we can learn from each other. And these two brilliant ladies are going to share so much with you that if you are someone who is in brick and mortar or thinking about opening a a brick and mortar location, you do not want to miss this because they are going to share some fantastic tips and strategies that you definitely do not want to miss. So here we go. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. I always am so grateful to have you with us, and today we are launching our first of our series called Mom Makers. And, you know, it was so easy for me to think of these two incredible women when I thought, who am I gonna have on first? And these are two ladies that I admire, that I call my friends, that I girl crush over from all the way in my house in in BC, and I cannot wait to share them with you. Um, one thing that's in common about both of them, besides being multi award winners and award nominees is that they both have brick and mortar locations and I cannot wait to share them with you. So I'm going to say hi, Jacqueline. And hi, Dana. Hi. No, hi. 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 So hi. I, I, I could brag about each of you forever. And, um, like, your, your bios don't even do you justice, ladies, because you're both so humble. Um, you're both moms. Um, Jacqueline's mom of girls, Dana's mom of boys. And I'm going to let you ladies continue uh, sharing about you. And please don't, don't be afraid to brag, please. Jacqueline, I'm going to ask you to go first. Tell us more. Tell us about your family and what is happening for you today. Yeah.
0: So um, we're located in Langley, BC. Uh, That's where we live. And now that's where my store is as well, um, which is amazing. Um, I have two girls, they are 16 and 18. And uh, my husband just recently joined the team. So uh, we're kind of all in it, which is which is really fun to get to this point to be able to do that.
1: And if you are in BC, it is worth the, the trip to come out to Homer, et cetera in Langley and just spend time there, make something, your DIY dreams come true. Her location is so beautiful. I would want to move in and live there. Um, <laughs> I know she doesn't always have a buffet of food, but every time I've been, there's always a buffet of food and a big coffee maker. I mean, I just need to like, bring a pillow and I could live there because it's incredible and
0: yeah and I, I love bringing people together and I think that's why I'm in the business that I am um DIYing in groups obviously with COVID that's put a big um twist to how we operate um and uh yeah I don't know if you want me to go into a little bit about how I started or
1: I do I'm just gonna hang on one second I'm gonna say hi to Dana and- yeah. Dana, tell us a little bit more. How are
2: you? How are the kids? Well, we are are good. So uh, I'm in Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario. So a plane ride away from uh, beautiful BC. Um, But I have two boys. John is 12. Michael is 8. They keep me busy. Pre and post uh, COVID or whatnot. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's always um, a bit of a juggle, as you know, with the uh, business and and the family. Mm -hmm. But... You know what? We're doing just fine. I'm very
1: fortunate. Yes, and your location is now open and busier than ever.
2: Yes, and we opened up. We took our time there. We were allowed to be open the whole time. Uh, it's considered essential. I'm not sure how it works for you guys are, but uh, I decided to close, and we had um, curbside pickup delivery. We already were online, uh, so we were already all kind of set up. Our product, a lot of it is frozen, so that way um, works quite well. And then when they the have um, the – by law of the mask in our area, that's when I decided to reopen again to foot traffic in middle of July. So
1: it's been about a month. It's been it's been incredible. A month. And I also wish your, your store was out here in BC. So I could just like eat everything that you show on Instagram because I, I gush over her food and this woman here, Dana is incredible. Cause she, I think you see all my gushing posts. And then once she was posting about these shortbreads that that she makes and I'm like oh my goodness I'm like do you ship out to Vancouver and she's like you know what I'm just gonna send you some cookies and I have like it made me cry when it was like Christmas when I opened this gorgeous box of these shortbreads that are amazing you would be proud of me I did share with my family <laughs> I wasn't sure some people I, share, some people don't that's up to you I won't okay, I will say it now I hid one bag that's all I'm gonna say that's all I can say, and the evidence is no longer in existence, so no one can ask me where it is. <laughs> let's, let's jump into this, because you know what? In Canada alone, Canada's the home to 950,000 women-run self-employed businesses, and that's insane and incredible. When 150,000 small businesses are started every year in Canada, we women are just, like, dominating and... and and stepping out there, and it's it is hard. And I, I love one of the things I love about each of you ladies is you guys are givers, and your business is a, a, a reflection of your incredible hearts, ladies. And there, there are unfortunately only a handful of businesses that that do that that are heart centered, and and you both reflect that. And I I would love for you to share your journey of how you started your incredible business. I'm going to ask Jacqueline to start first, if you could, Jacqueline.
0: Yeah. So I started, now my kids um, were at the time two and four years old, and I started making decor for their kids' bedrooms, for their nurseries. And that ultimately, I mean, I'm um, a trained recreation therapist. So that's what I was doing at the time and became a maker. I mean, that was the days of Martha Stewart. Um, and I thought, well, I could do this too. And, you know, started getting to learn how to use power tools. And um, I, I mean, I'd always loved arts and crafts. I'd always done that as a kid and it was always a part of my life. Um, and friends just started asking for pieces for their nurseries because they were at the same point as I was. And here I was at the point of having to make a decision. I couldn't raise a family and work full time. Um, I went down to part time and then made the transition and took the leap of, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it a business. Having no background in business at all. um, And started wholesaling just to local baby boutiques. And um, slowly figured out that my little townhouse with my garage um, wouldn't suffice the growth of the business. So, Uh, found a warehouse space, um, grew that way into selling to Amazon, um, and really was just taking it day by day. Um, Hired some staff. I mean, the ball just kind of goes to the journey where I wasn't actually enjoying myself anymore. And truthfully, wasn't earning an income um, that I should have been for the amount of time that I was putting in the business. So brought my business back home, went back to being a recreation therapist part-time, um, and had just this, how can I make this work? Um, was selling online, so I was still keeping it going, uh, and then decided that um, I would trial a new way of operating, which was leading workshops to teach women how to make decor themselves, and found the group dynamic and my background of melding the recreation therapist with the maker just was what it took to really get the ball going so um opened up a location when I knew the business model worked and uh really here I am today so it's you know we're doing DIY kits um now we're having women um being able to lead their own workshops in the premise of their own home because we've got all the instructions all the kits uh for them to choose their own decor for their home and what I really love about it is it still connects people and it really just um, is a way of people taking time out to create, which is totally what I'm all about. It's empowering women to take time for themselves and to really be proud of making something themselves and hanging it in their home. So yes. it been a
1: lot I'm <laughs> such an expert. You've become such an expert at it that... That you are now teaching other people how to do this, how to start their own businesses, and that is incredible because you created this incredible successful model that other people are asking you to teach me how to do this, whether it's their own store or as their own business. Yep, and that is incredible. What a, a full incredible circle, and you know, and I have just been in awe watching you because I. You've I seen it. start yeah. from my business and and gushed over you back then, and and I have just been so honored to to be on this journey from the outside watching you, and you I'm so proud of you. There. I'm just so proud of you and adore you so much. Oh, yeah, it's
0: definitely, it's definitely been a journey. Awesome. It's been a roller coaster, but I can tell you that it's all been worth it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, yes, it's absolutely a normal feeling to feel like okay. Like who hasn't? I still feel like sometimes I just want to throw in the towel and say, "Okay, I'm so done." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then finding a different way to pivot, and I, I love that is what you did. You, you merged your your professional training skills as a recreational therapist, and mm-hmm. then with teaching other people how to make it themselves instead of just buying your gorgeous uh, product, which you still also do. Yes, That's so much. So yeah. so rich in, in, in so many aspects. Miss mm-hmm. Dana, I, we'd love to hear your story too. When okay. did you start and how did you start? Dana? Short. Well,
2: um, I graduated from the University of Guelph with a Bachelor of Commerce in Hotel and Food Administration, it was called. And, but I realized I didn't want to work in the hotel business. So long story short, I went to chef school in Toronto with George Brown. And at that time when I graduated, I wanted to be a private chef, so I wanted to work for a family or two. That was my goal, and I was doing that. And these for a few different families, and they started asking me to cater, which really wasn't my plan. (laughs) But I was young; I was early twenties, and I needed the money. So, like, sure, I can do this, right? I actually worked for some caterers when I was uh, in Toronto at George Brown. So to really try to simplify it. What happened was I would cater these big events or weddings. And, you know, I remember going and people (laughs) looking at me, you know, I was probably 24, 25, because when I opened the store, I was 27. And I remember there's some, definitely some women when I look back, I was planning this with, I think they were a little nervous thinking, are you really going to be able to pull this off? Because, you know, their kids were practically my age. So, but I did. And, um, and then these clients would say to me, you Know what, thank you so much for catering that cocktail party for 50. But you know, this time I just want to uh, have say 20 people. My hubby's going to grill some steaks, I'm going to make dessert. Can you make the appetizers and the side dishes? So to which I would say yes, but then it became pretty obvious that to go to our grocery store, here's theirs, pay retail prices, have to go rent a kitchen um, and pay for that, and then lugging things back and forth, it wasn't too profitable, right? So I ended up then. That's sort of what led me to opening up a small store with a kitchen so I could bring um, sort of that gourmet home. So people who asked me, can you just make hors d'oeuvres and, or soup or I would do that, but i make it in bigger batches. And then I would um, sell things from the store to people walk in traffic as well as to the customer who would order this for a party. So that's, that's sort of wow. the quickest way for me to explain to you how I started in this business. And then over time, we've just grown. So what was our kitchen in retail is now just our kitchen. In 2008, I bought the business next to me, which was a gift store. So the joke was I was expanding because I was pregnant with my first son and the store was expanding. And then we added chocolates and gift baskets. In 2012, we added an, an olive oil and vinegar tasting bar. And then now we have 5,000 square feet in our lower level of, of my building where I am, the plaza. Uh, where we have our walk-in, where we store all of our extra additional food. We have a room with all of our giftware and baskets. And then we have a room for our production of all those baskets, which we, we make a lot, we make thousands and thousands, um, especially in our fourth quarter. So it's just over time added things. And then when my kids were born, when John, my oldest, was born, I stopped the full-service catering. So we, we stopped doing the you know bartending, serving, going out to these big events. And I had the pickup catering where I would use um, I would refer a bartending company who could help if people needed that. And then when Michael was born, um, I stopped the the pickup catering as well. Uh, and we are now a solely a retail store. People say, "Oh, Dana Shore catered it because we have a wall like um, twelve or so large coolers of of entrees and soups and all kinds of things that people will take." And then in their mind, I mean, they're not necessarily making all the food, so. It's funny how we'll still sometimes win these catering awards, but I haven't catered in eight years.
1: <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, that is a beautiful journey. Wow. Yeah,
2: you know what? It has. It has been for sure.
1: And absolutely. And and I see that with retail, uh, with with having a brick and mortar. As my husband and his family also are brick and mortar, they started. I don't know, like forty years ago, with uh, having a, a hut in, in a mall to develop film pictures. No one does that anymore. <laughs> no. and, and so they had to evolve because film cameras aren't a thing. It's more very retro or unless you are a professional photographer, but then you probably have your own dark room and, and developing your own pictures. And so they also evolved over the decades into uh, taking school photography and sports and dance pictures. And, and so with COVID, of course, that really affected them with no schools open and no sports. So always changing and, and finding different strengths to, to lean on. And, and that's one thing I admire about both of you is having different baskets, if I could say, so that your eggs aren't all in one basket and that there's different revenue streams coming in in different ways and excellent it. Dana, you've already had the online set up, so that that is huge. And like even with Easy Daisies, I have learned over the years to not have all my eggs in one basket as well. And and I've had you know painful lessons and expensive lessons in in along the way. But yes, thank God during COVID, I was very grateful that Easy Daisies did become a tool for families who were just craving structure and routine. So we, we still saw the sales going through, and I was so grateful. And that was a huge blessing for for us uh, to see that. And, you know, and I I would love to hear some of your lessons. I, I know that in our journeys, like, how long have each of you been in your business? Uh, so, so since
0: 2007 is when I first started. Yeah. Okay, so 13
2: years. Yeah. yeah store opened in 2004, so we're going to be celebrating 16 years this November, Sweet 16, and then I actually had that other business where I was a private chef, and then the catering and renting the kitchen, that was a couple years before that, so about 20 years I've been on my own.
1: And you look like you're 22, so <laughs> there's that. I'm 43
2: next week, so oh, that why like, people come in, they'd be like, you're Dana? <laughs> yes. Like, you're Dana on the sign? I don't, get that I, I don't get that anymore. I don't get that anymore. like, can I touch your mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that happened at the beginning. Not anymore.
1: <laughs> I, I, I would love for you each to share a lesson that you would like to share and, and pass on. Just one. I'm sure there's so many lessons. Like, uh, do you want me to start? I can start. Okay. I um, learned <laughs> that... In business, you need to go with your gut and not with your heart. And you're both very heart-centered, so I think mm-hmm. you can relate. And I have I shared this story before of how I tried to be safe and cautious when this distributor in France reached out to say, I would love to distribute your product. And you know, I I wasn't ready to go international at that point and I didn't do anything with it, but he pursued and wrote to me for a year. So he said, you know, I've been writing to you for a year. We've been in communication. I think you are ready now and so i did i I got my product internationally translated for international french i paid to get the ce logo that is necessary on products to sell to europe and long story i made short uh, he placed a, a large order i got a small deposit uh for this order and then when i was on the boat ready to ship out to him he said i need to cancel and and this is a gentleman. He sent me pictures of his four-year-old son. I I sent him at that point, Purdy's chocolate because Purdy's is made in BC, Vancouver, BC, and all this. And he said that I need to cancel because one of his vendors went bankrupt. And however, it would help for him to have my product because it would help his family and this, and then I would give him net terms because he can't pay me right away. And, uh, we agreed on net ninety, which was uh, for a very large order. And my gut said, "Don't do this," but my heart's like, "Oh, but it would help his family and his four-year-old son." And needless to say, it's it's I don't know. He it's been like I want to say six years, and I he's never paid me. And th- the most damaging part to me was he was using images of my children to sell product on his website, on his social media for product he he never paid for and he just disconnected himself and yeah, it just broke my heart. <laughs> but that was a very expensive, uh huge lesson to me to go with your gut and and to trust your gut and also when it's a first time a customer get a hundred percent payment up front. <laughs> yes indeed. Okay. How about you, Dana? What's a lesson that you've learned? Oh my goodness.
2: So when I read this, when you said some of these things you'd be chatting about, I mean, I have learned so many things. Uh, I'm just going to share one cause I could, I could spend an hour talking about all the things I've learned. Um, some of the lessons and mistakes, but for me, I guess, I feel like I can remember when I first started my business first couple of years, I remember actually thinking it was possible to never disappoint her or, or have an upset customer at all and that's just impossible even if you think about the fact that tastes are subjective so you know someone may love the butternut squash apple soup and someone else may find it's too sweet or you know not enough ginger so that's just a small example but I've learned that mistakes happen we try very hard not to have mistakes happen we have a lot of procedures in place so we can minimize those sorts of things everything from standardized recipes down to the gram of any spice so that we want that consistent experience and taste um to how we answer the phone to there's all kinds of things to try to minimize you know these uh errors from happening but i have learned that sometimes mistakes do happen um you know you the customer may get a batch of something that wasn't quite right or you you know for you know you're supposed to send a gift basket out on on friday for someone's birthday and something you know, it's a crazy day in December and something got, you know, missed. So, what I've learned is they happen, but then what we have control over is how we react to them. And I've personally found that, you know, I, we try when something does go wrong to go above and beyond, do things our competitors wouldn't do. Uh, because you'll build that loyalty. I don't, we don't make these mistakes on purpose, but if you wow the customer, I have found that they become brand ambassadors uh so an example might be i was thinking about what example I mean, there's you I know mean, there's been, there's just several I could give you but one time we at, at Valentine's we do these three course pickup dinners uh so it's like a soup or a salad an entree and a dessert and someone had this is years ago when gluten-free was sort of um you know it was not maybe quite as popular as, as it is now now half of mm-hmm. our menu is gluten- free but this gentleman said would you be able to make a gluten-free package for my wife and i no problem so we did that and then for the dessert, I didn't make a gluten-free cake or, you know, tart or whatnot. I have these uh, mint smoothie chocolate bars, which are really popular here in town and they're large. And I included those and he called me and he said, you know, I love the soup and the entree and whatnot, but I have to tell you, we were, we were disappointed that that was the dessert. And instead of being defensive, I put myself in his shoes and I'm like, you know what? I can see how, I can see how he'd be disappointed. It was, you know, it's really tasty chocolate, but, it, you know, he's probably picturing Valentine's and, uh, you know, like a really kind of more fancy uh, baked good. So I'm thinking, well, what could I have done differently? I could have called him and said, instead of it being, you know, $25 a person, what about 18? We don't do gluten free baking here. But, you know, I could have handled it that way. I could have went to, there's a, a really great gluten free shop and asked and just had them, you know, just bought it from them and told them, is that okay with you? A lot of things I could have done differently. He was very gracious, a little disappointed, but I ended up sending him a bundle worth more than, I don't remember, I think the meal for two was $50 or something like that. But I sent him a bundle of $50 worth of gluten-free soups and entrees and had it delivered to him and his wife with a handwritten apology, just saying, you know what, you're right, I I dropped the ball on this one. And those sorts of things, some people in business, maybe when they're starting out, might think, I can't do that, I can't afford it. But we always look at the uh, lifetime value of a customer and also just trying to do the right thing. So, so, if cool. something goes wrong, it's not just, well, here's your money back, but it might be, so sorry, here's something, and then here's a little box of chocolates, or d- just trying to um, s- surprise and delight.
1: Yes. Because
2: a lot of people, as we know, don't really offer great service anymore. So, anyway, hope that wasn't too long, but
1: oh, that, that's that that anything cool. I've learned. So many so many incredible lessons there I, I love that you said you know you can't control the mistakes that can happen like sometimes quality control slips and I understand that as a product maker as well and and that sucks because you, you can control that like whether it's like a lost delivery because uh, can whatever system you're using whether it's some delivery service it, and it falls through the cracks or something happens it breaks it something happens but you can, I love what you said, you can control how you react to it. And, and that is, that's a gem right there. Like you mm. can control how you react to it. And from how you react to it, you can make a raving fan
0: mm-hmm.
1: out of that customer because you went above and beyond to say, oh my goodness, he owned it. You didn't reject what they said or the complaint. And I always say, be so grateful for that. Be so grateful that they they took the time to tell you this. Absolutely, happened. I'm so upset. Or I received bad product. I say thank you. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. And I own it. And I that, like I. Mm-hmm. You must be so disappointed. I you shouldn't have received something like that. And and then to go above and beyond, and that is incredible because what a beautiful uh, testimonial that becomes for you because even if they don't write it, write it down, they're just telling their neighbors like, Oh my gosh, you know, this, Dana's short. She, she sent us this gorgeous basket because the dessert didn't work out and that's incredible. And other they're going to be a repeat customer for be sure. sure. Mm-hmm.
2: And you're right because you, you know, you just, um, if they don't tell you, I, they're I telling somebody I don't, else. So I don't know if I should call. I don't want anything for free. It's like, you know what? Thank you for telling me because whatever that issue is, I have the ability now to fix it, to go above and beyond to make sure you're happy. You know, we have a premium product. Um, and if they don't tell me we don't have any way of one knowing or making it, uh, or solving the issue or addressing it or apologizing. And you're right. More people would, they probably say, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go back there. You know, so, so you know, this happened or, so it is, it's actually a gift when, when people do,
1: mm-hmm. when they are,
2: um, Honest, and I, I find a lot. Most of the time, it's not people ranting and raving; it's from the heart, saying, "I just wanted you to be aware of this."
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you know what? If they're not telling you, they're going to tell somebody else. And so, so grateful that they're telling you, right? Telling yeah. us when something goes wrong. How about you, Jacqueline? Do you have a, a lesson to share that you've one? experienced? Just one. Just one for now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um,
0: I thought. I know. I think. Um, I think as a business operator, my Biggest lesson is to value the service that you're bringing to the table. Value the products, because not everybody is your customer. Um, Really know your target market, really know your numbers, and really value the service that you bring to the table. Um, In the DIY industry, every, well, not everyone, in my opinion, when I first started, I thought, well, everyone can do what I do. Everyone can make what I make there are people who have the ability to make wood signs it's everywhere. So why would people want to come to me? So it wasn't until I understood what I brought to the table and why my business was different that I felt so comfortable. And I had, um, I was welcoming to people who would come through my store doors and say, you know what? I love that idea. I can make that because that's what I want to do is I want to empower people. I don't want to see that as competition. There are, there's enough business out there for everybody. Um, embrace the maker, embrace, um, just there's different customers who walk through the door and everyone has a different need to be met. Um, we have people who want to refinish furniture and just want to learn about paint. We have people who want to buy the full DIY kits. Um, I have customers now who can make them their own products at home, but they come to me and shop to buy our kits because it's easy. It's high quality. It's, um it's it's not cheap it's it's classy you and and i think that, that's what makes us different so just really knowing your value um mm-hmm. and and knowing the service that you provide i guess that i mean my biggest lesson and in in that i think were my lessons of um not being able to be profitable because i was afraid to ask for the the money part of it so really pricing your products well um, knowing the value that you bring so that you can be profitable because you're not in business just to make people happy and to
1: offer cheap products. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. I love what you said. It. Like, you know, yes, there are other people who make wooden painted signs and finding how you can be uniquely different. Right. And for you, you're striving on, on the quality and the experience. Exactly. And that's incredible. And that's beautiful. Cause I, I know that I've, made several things from from your diy uh workshops and but the quality is great and and the experience of of what we when we go and do this is you know it is me time and you feel so proud of something that you've made and you are you're absolutely empowering that woman to say i can do this and even like you know like i i've come with women who were fearful because they are like i'm not a creator i don't do crafty things, <laughs> but they loved it. And it was so therapeutic and And they were so proud of what they made and it looked beautiful and because of the quality of your product. So that, that is very important. And I
0: think with what people. Dana said too, is it's the service that you're providing, right? It's the experience and how you make them feel. So if you make them feel valued um, and you value what you're bringing to the table, what an amazing match it is. And that's what keeps customers coming back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I know we kind of touched on this, but I want to go a little deeper um, into lessons, but in a different way. Um, because I, I know that when people see each of you, they're like, oh, she's so successful. How they how do things come so easy for Dana, and how like everything's probably just so easy for Jacqueline, and we you know <laughs> that, that is not the case. And one of my favorite things I, I heard. Um, Sarah Blakely say was her favorite thing memory of growing up was at dinner table. At the dinner table when her dad would ask every night at dinner, hey kids, share one mistake you did today. And 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 they love that because it taught them that making mistakes is a great thing. It is part of growth. It is how you learn and how you become successful because if you don't take risks, you don't make mistakes. If you don't take risks and make mistakes, you aren't going to grow to that next level. Mm -hmm. So let's put it in reality check for our awesome listeners who are like, wow. And gushing now over you two ladies, like I do, let's say, you know, the journey wasn't this easy and I didn't get to where I am today because it was easy. I definitely made mistakes. And, you know, I shared one of my mistakes is, you know, people will say to me, Oh, Elaine, you're too nice. You're going to get taken advantage of. And then they, that same person who said it actually takes advantage of me. Oh my God, I didn't know it was a warning. Silly me, my bad. So, so what is a mistake that you have done a, a, a time when you took a risk? and it failed and because i I want a reality check when people so they can relate to you and say oh okay she has fallen down what is one of those moments that you can think of dana do you want to go first sure
2: um when i was thinking about this in terms of my career in terms of 20 years so when I started, I was very young, as I mentioned, so I really didn't, I mean, I had a couple different chefs I worked for in my early 20s at catering companies and cooking schools um, who were great, but I, I really didn't have a lot of experience, um, certainly not in a, a traditional sort of, um, you know, traditional atmosphere. So I was sort of, you know, I've learned a lot about people management over the years. So my sort of mistakes, if I had to say that, would be what I've learned the most from Um would be the side sort of the people part of it in terms of managing people and learning that balance between being friendly but not being friends mm-hmm. and i've come to realize that i have a very high tolerance for drama so again i am heart-centered and i give people the benefit of the doubt i do see the best in people i tend to overlook the, the bad and um which can be good but in terms of you know you have to be realistic too or i think um i had a real note here I think there's been, there were too many times where I was avoiding tough conversations and that always often always would lead to a fallout in terms of, instead of just when I started feeling, like you said earlier, Elaine, with your, you know, your little spidey senses and your inner voice, what your gut's telling you when I knew something was okay, this person's starting to come in a little bit later, or they're not quite as friendly with customers or they're bringing in, maybe they're having, you know, they're not in a good spot in their relationship with their husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it is but they're, they're then bringing it into the workplace. And I mean, I'm not so much that way anymore, but that whole thing about, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link. So if someone's not pulling their weight and you have these amazing people, I've got a great team. So when you have these great people on your team that just, you know, give their, their heart into it when they're here. And if someone else is not having, not necessarily pulling their weight, it's like, well, these, these really um, talented sort of driven employees think, well, Why am I doing that? You know, it's, it's not fair. Why is so-and-so taking an extra 10 minutes for their break and nothing's really being addressed or so, so what I, so there's, I guess a failure would be um, just having things sometimes go on too long, which then results in, um, in a crisis or in, you know, in in a situation that perhaps could have been avoided if I had those tough conversations earlier to say, this has to change. Or else I don't think it's a good fit. So it's kind of more age, that these lessons and whatnot are in recognizing that. And also, if you do have a great team member, it doesn't mean they never need, need any coaching or mentoring or management either. You, Everyone needs that. He's just yes, kind of staying on track like that. So that would be one
1: of my, That's one awesome. Of my many awesome. That's awesome. yes they say that business would be super easy without people, <laughs>
2: people yeah, my, my, dad, my dad always said like he had his own business and said customers are easy the customers are the easy part and, and it I mean I got a great team like I said but I understand you know years later I understand what he meant
1: yes and you know as they say hire slow fire fast and that's hard <laughs> that's so hard
0: I, I don't like
1: that aspect of, of business either. And yeah.
2: I don't like it, but if, you, if, you, if you enjoyed firing, there'd be something wrong, right? <laughs> However, I remember reading this book, this um, restaurant man, trying to think of uh, Joe Bastanich, and he was saying, so he, he, was, um, he owned about 10 restaurants in the New York City area. And when he had to let someone go, he always had to think of it like this person who's not pulling their weight or is doing something that's inappropriate or whatnot, they're affecting. Mm -hmm. everyone's livelihood because if you have too much of that going on, the restaurant's not doing as well. I mean, long term, long way out if we close and you've got a hundred people who are employed who all of a sudden are looking for work. So it is sort of that ripple effect. So not fun, but necessary at times, again, mistakes happen as that's part of owning a business and same with not every single person's going to be a good fit or going to work out.
1: Yeah. And yeah, so true. Great advice. Great advice. How about you, Jacqueline? Is there a a risk that you took or a mistake that you had to think?
0: So many. Um, From the beginning, um, I started with a business partner. Um, That failed because we were not on the same page. I made my biggest investment in my business when I first started out by spending $15,000 on a website that didn't work. Um, thank God technology has changed and there are other platforms now that don't have to be created, um, to have an e-commerce website. Ah, gosh, I went overseas to have a uh, production made because I was so overwhelmed and couldn't manage that. That completely failed. Um, I got my inventory and it was all wrong and I thought I had done my due diligence. Um... I, c- I could keep on going when I had <laughs> my brick and mortar store, I didn't know how to be a boss. I didn't know how to set structure. I, it, we just literally went what needs to be done today. Um, so I've learned so much. I mean, I think my biggest thing with a brick and mortar especially is create structure, um, create people who have to be in charge of specific responsibilities. Job descriptions are huge. Even when you are maybe yourself and one other person know what your responsibilities are because it's, um, it just makes life so much easier
1: when everybody knows what their responsibilities are. No, that's perfect. You we are jumping into exactly what I wanted to talk about next. So, we may have a listener right now who is thinking, okay, you know what? I, I want, I've been wanting to open my own brick and mortar location but I'm not sure if I'm ready or yeah I'm ready bring it on I'm not prepared or I may not have thought of these things I would love and be so grateful if each of you ladies could share three things that you would say okay you are thinking of starting a brick and mortar you better know these three things and maybe they might overlap and that's okay because obviously that means it was important so if you could share Three things. And if you only have two, that's absolutely fine. But you're saying to this woman who's listening right now, okay, honey, if you're going to start this brick and mortar, you need to know these three things. Dana, what would you say to this woman? I remember
2: someone saying to me, having a retail store is like having a baby chain to the sidewalk. So that's the first thing I'd say, not to be negative, but to put that into perspective, to think about that. Now, again, I'm 16 years in, so I have a great team. I have a general manager. Um, you know, I have, you know, lots of flexibility and freedom. Yesterday I worked the whole day from home working on Christmas items, um, and the store runs just fine. I'm going away next week. I mean, it, it's, I probably won't even get a call, you know, but that took years. That took years and years of procedures and loyal customers and, you know, a certain amount of money coming in. And again, we talk about learning about the people management and what do they need, mm-hmm. but there were many years where, um. I don't look at it as a sacrifice because I wanted to do it and I was enjoying what I did, but, um, uh, I would, you know, I remember when my girlfriends I was there for our 30th, we had a big little you know, weekend away, but I missed the 35th. Uh, one of my, one of my good friends, I still wonder if this was a mistake. She asked me to be in her wedding party and I, you know, very as nicely as I could said, I don't think I can do that. I was, I was in my late twenties, um, with the store and I was, I was literally kind of at the time just working and, sleeping with a few things you know you know it's hard to look back it was a long time ago but I that's my memory of it was a lot of work and sleep and not a lot in between I just didn't want to say yes I knew I wouldn't be able to go to all those events that people want to do and you know I was there for the important things the shower but all you know going to look at for the dress together all that stuff I just I felt like I already knew I'd be the one bailing constantly I didn't want to put that pressure on myself or lead to that disappointment
1: right
2: so so that's just something where it is a big commitment I mean any business right commitment but when you have those hours, where you have to be open from this to ten until seven, there are hours right now. And I remember, I mean, in the early first couple of years, I mean, my mom would come, and she would like, you know, help customers and man the cash. If I had to like do like something really important, I like needed my banker or whatnot. Otherwise, it'd be me here from the beginning to the end. I come back, there'd be all these mistakes. But I just wanted to make sure someone was there to, to, yes. to try to help. Yes. So, um, just in terms of realizing what the commitment you're 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 entering into. Uh, I would want to also encourage them to think about what is it? Is it actually a store or is it the creative aspect of it? Because if it's the creative aspect of it, you can, there's so many things you can do. You can have a pop-up shop or, you know, you can do it at Christmas somewhere. My girlfriend, Nicole, she has a salvage business. She loves it. She sells online. She also has a, maybe a 15 by 15 booth at a St. Jacob's Antique Market. So she gets that creative outlet with setting up all her displays and all these cool vintage pieces she's finding. She pays a fairly good rent, I believe. i like, you know, fairly reasonable. Um, but she's not having to be there from the minute it opens till the, when it closes. or someone else who's managing her inventory. It's all tagged in terms of what's, you know, like uh, charging the customers for her product. So can you have a business where you can be creative and have an online store? Because as we know, it's very expensive. So another thing I want them to do is look at those fixed costs. How much do you actually have to sell in order to be profitable? What do you want to make? you know, what do you want to make per year? Or I mean, obviously at the beginning, you know, you're, it's going to take time, mm-hmm. but I mean, like I said, it is, it is expensive to have that retail space uh, and to have that store. And it's so competitive now with online. So I want to make sure depending on the business, is it, is it viable? Like, you know, look at your
1: competition too. No, excellent. I love that. I'm going to see if I can reiterate all that you just said <laughs> in my readers digest condensed version is it's it is full-on commitment it is not something you can just say tomorrow oh, no I'm, I, I mean to I, I don't think it's that easy but it is like like you said like a baby chained to the sidewalk and you've got to be ready to give up all those hours and possible friendships like on pause but true friendships understand that Yep. and then you said evaluate is this only for creative purposes i love that like how you worded that is it just an outlet you want to Share on how to creatively display what you have to offer and and tr- test out other avenues before you commit to a brick and mortar. Like you said, uh, getting um, a kiosk or a, a cart somewhere, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant way to start. And yes, if it's like immensely successful, you, you know that you might expand because you now know the numbers to see what you can afford to do. And yes, it is very expensive from the start and you have to be ready for that sacrifice. Awesome, thank you. How about you Jacqueline? Three lessons that you would say, okay, here, if you are ready or thinking about wanting to open a brick and mortar, you need to know these three things.
0: Um, Know your demographic, uh, location, location, location. Um, I've had three different locations. All different. One was in an industrial area, another one was in like a residential area. And now I'm in a high traffic um, area. And it really does make a difference. Um, Exposure, signage. um, I thought those were little things in retrospect. Those are the big things. So I pay a higher rent, but for me, it's well worth the investment um, just because of the foot traffic that I get. So Um, Again, you can't predict those things, but just from my uh, previous experience, um, it was just such a good decision or risk, um, however you look at it. Um, So definitely choosing a location. Um, I've also thought of opening up multiple locations and had two locations running at the same time. Um, and have learned that, um, you can be a destination location. We have people coming from surrounding cities to come and shop at our one location. Um, so, um, yeah, just location. If you're looking for a place, make sure it it really is a good fit, Um, with square footage and everything with potential growth. Like Dana, you had the extra space to grow your business where you're at. Um, so, even if you're just starting out, already look ahead at what that may potentially look like, what the pros and cons of that are. Um, number two is when you're setting up a retail location, when you're at the point to commit, um, please set up an online store at the same time as you're setting up your um, main location. Um, Dana, you were set up with COVID with already being online, we were as well it made the pivot so easy to be able to still service our customers without a hitch. So um, take the time to set up an online store at the same time as you're adding your inventory for your POS system. Um, It will save you so much time in the long run. Um, And then yeah, evenings, um, weekends, whatever your hours of operation, really make sure that you can service your customers during those times a hundred percent. Um, I overextended myself when I first started a retail store cause I was open 10 to five for open to the public retail shopping. And then I was open, uh, starting workshops from six at night until nine thirty at night doing leading workshops in groups. Um, so I got to the point where I was able to hire staff to lead the workshops, which was amazing, but just make sure that your family is ready for it. Um, my husband was super supportive. Um, my kids didn't quite understand why I was working so much. Um, but really, burnout is so easy. Um, and you cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. Especially if you want to be successful and um, and you want to enjoy a little bit of time to yourself. <laughs> it's mandatory that you have help.
1: Uh, I, I love it. I love it. I, I'm going to repeat what you just said. So the first one, of course, location, location, location. Mm-hmm. And, and also to add on to the location, location, location is you might not need multiple locations Mm-mm. because you can become a destination location mm-hmm. and people can just come to you. And there it goes, reducing your overhead uh, uh, immediately by reducing multiple co- locations. And So important. And I I love how you had all different multiple locations, like from residential, industrial, and high foot traffic. And And if I could
0: just add to that too, just one of the reasons why a location really worked for me is because I did craft shows, I did markets, and I felt like a traveling circus. So for me, actually having a home was so much more time saving. So that's why a retail location really worked for me.
1: Yes. And yeah. because I, I know that you do like pro D workshops for teachers and, and sometimes you have a spotlight at a pub where it's like wine and yeah. DIY and brilliant. It, it's all still part of marketing when you do that, but yes, having a home base and let people come to you. Yeah. Absolutely. And then number two, Oh gosh. Okay. Online store, yeah, yeah, website and open an online store at the same time. Hey, why not even before? If if you exactly. already have that, awesome. But have that, and we talked about that earlier. Not having all your eggs in one basket and being ready for that pivot if a pandemic occurred or
0: something, <laughs> or you'll if, never
1: be able to say that again, right? Or or like maybe there's a fire next door and you have to close your door down for a mo uh, for a month. Right. You are still mm-hmm. ready and, and able to offer your products or services. Mm-hmm. So important. And that third one is, is the, the hours, hours of operation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And being ready to, to spread yourself to meet the hours of your mm-hmm. customers. Um, rather than, you know, your, I dream hours of 12 to two. <laughs> but, but to be realistic and ready because you cannot do it alone. You will need support, whether it's family, friends, moms. And, and you know, I've been there and I fully get it. I, I remember like having my mother-in-law and sister-in-laws and we're all sitting there packaging and my mom and my sister. And thank God for big families <laughs> And I remember once when I had Easy Daisies as part of the 39th annual, um, I think it was the Emmy Awards. And I had to package a thousand uh, things for the Emmys. And, and I, at that time, I sucked even more at asking for help. And I remember the doorbell went and there was like 20-ish friends standing outside, saying, let us in, we are gonna help you. And I cried. And they brought food, they brought help, and they just, for two days, they helped and they just packaged things for the Emmys. And I actually included that photo in, in my book, but it still touches my heart. And that was a while ago. But so much great advice from both of you. And it's just so honored. And I, I know I could talk to you forever. In fact, we've, I've kept you longer than I wanted, but I, I want to leave on one note. And because time is short, my podcast is all about create better, about how to create better family, create better health, create better business, and create better self. If you could just pick one of those four, I would love you to, to just share and leave our amazing listeners with this one word of advice on how to create a better life. If you chose one of those four, What would it be and what do you want these amazing listeners to hear and take away on top of all the other awesomeness that you have shared to say, hey, you know what, this is my gift to you. I've learned how to create a better life as up and down as it may be because life is not smooth and perfect. And I I try to teach that to my kids so that they become risk takers and know that it's okay to fall. And, and just to have that strength to pick up, what is that one that you would say? And I'm going to ask you first, Jacqueline, mm. which one would you pick? If you want to say, here's how to create better blank. um,
0: Gosh, work on yourself. I think being in business is the biggest eye opener to um self improvement because <laughs> you really have to be okay with who you are even when you make mistakes um mistakes are like you said before Elaine mistakes are a blessing because they take you to the next step um and surround yourself with positive people uh, get, i get five fired friends because they were so negative and what are you doing and i don't understand and i you know people don't have to understand it's just shut out the noise Yes. Um and yeah, work on your yourself and and um read books and um just yeah, surround yourself with people who um who are supportive to you. I think that was three things. (laughs) But
1: anyway. Yeah, yeah. but all about working on yourself for sure. And surrounding yourself with positive people, right? Yes. Yeah. Positive people and so important.
0: So so important.
1: Dana, if you were to choose to share one tip on how to create better life, what would it be?
2: Sure. Well, I agree with Jacqueline too in that it's uh, inside out, not outside in. But when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about I like to use the term harmony over work life balance. Uh, mm-hmm. A customer of mm-hmm. mine talked about that I a mean, number of years ago, but her and her girlfriend's actually using the term harmony mm-hmm. instead of the work life balance because. Sometimes your business will get more of your attention. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your family will, you know, sometimes you might be so busy. Like for me in my busy season in December, I'm not working out too much, but throughout the year I consistently exercise and whatnot, but sometimes, so it's that for me, it's that harmony. And it really then goes further to that. It should be measured over a lifetime, not so much in my opinion on a daily basis, because, you know, as Mm -hmm. I said, sometimes, you know, different areas of your life are going to get, are going to get more attention than others, you don't want it to be totally out of balance either,
1: but that harmony. So Beautiful. that would be my tip. Beautiful. I love that uh, that analogy. I love the word harmony. I love how you said it. Um, yeah, work life balance is yeah. I that's I, I almost cringe when people are like, "How do you balance everything?" Or <laughs> it, it's it is it, it's one place or another, and at mm-hmm. different times in your life. And I love that you said. You measure it in a lifetime, not at that single moment. And I, I so appreciate that. And I am one to be a strong cheerleader for mastering the art of single tasking because, you know, social media glorifies the the multitasking juggling diaper bag to the laptop. And, and no, just focus on doing one thing well at that moment because it will increase the growth, the impact, and the the integrity of what you're doing than to to dabble into many things at, at once and so ladies you are awesome and I am so grateful for you although I will have where to find you in your in the show notes I would love to ask each of you right now if if someone wanted to look you up right now Jacqueline Diaz, where how can they contact you
0: um, head to Facebook or instagram at homeworks et cetera, dot DIY. you
1: can perfect. check us out there perfect and how about you Dana
0: Facebook
2: uh, or Instagram it's at Dana short with two T's gourmet and
1: our website is easy to Dana short.com. Perfect. Thank you ladies. Ladies, I adore you and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you to each of you for being a blessing in my life. And I'm just so grateful for each of you. So I Our listeners, I'm just so grateful for you as well. Thank you for spending this time with us. I know that you also learned so much. I hope that you were writing things down. And if you were driving, I hope you didn't write things down. (laughs) (laughs) You you can backtrack and rewind and listen and jot down notes at home. And thank you and have a fabulous day. Jacqueline, thank you so much, honey. Dana, thank thank you. Thank you, ladies. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Dana. Thank you. Everybody bye for now. Have a great day. Bye. Say bye.